This is Incisive Decisive. Incisive Decisive. Incisive Decisive. Dentistry, Ethics, Philosophy. So, so yours, you say you tell yours. Right, so, so... But I'll do this as like a mini Do you know what, this is just... I'm not... We were going to talk about education, but this is yeah. the start of this podcast because we're going to just freestyle for this podcast. So this is Incisive Decisive. Hi, this is Incisive Decisive Freestyle. And um, so, um, ethics of the team. Yes. Right? So, so looking after the people that you're responsible for as your team, right? Which must be one of the most important things you could possibly do as a, in dentistry, in any industry, mm. right? And people fluff around the edges of this and talk crap and try to pretend and do and, this. And, and get it wrong. All the time. And, and the, the, I think the fundamental basis of this is that everybody that you pass in the street and everybody that you pass on the dog walk and everybody that you pass at work and talk to at work is carrying around in their virtual backpack a whole load of trouble, right? So we're all carrying around a whole load of trouble. And, and I... I would talk to we off air. We would talk about that just a few minutes yes, ago. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, about stuff that's going on in our lives, right? Yep. And stuff is going on in everybody's lives. And if you walk downstairs today, and we're in upstairs in the in the practice today, and you and you were to take the guys aside and say what's going on and what's bad, and everybody would be able to tell you there's something going on. And that's actually the essence of looking after your team is understanding that that that. You never get a stable team that's steady, that never have any problems because life isn't like that. Mm -hmm. But you can make it easier and you can make it better and you can try to have a a business and an organisation that that looks after them in in ways and reinvest. And some people will pay you back and some people will take the shit out of you. And the ones that take the shit out, you have to leave and go somewhere else and take the shit out of somebody else. So we, we, we instituted a whole load of crazy stuff here based around what's called the Basecamp HR rules. So Basecamp is an IT company in the United States. They were held up, their HR rules were held up as being like the best in the world. And we took Basecamp HR rules and we took it to the team and we said, Look at this, isn't it great? There's no chance we can do all of that. <laughs> we're, not in, we're not an IT company. But which ones would you like us to do? And so we prioritised them and said, as we get bigger and bigger and better and better, so we'll institute more and more of this. And so they said, can we have some more holiday, please? I said, yep. yep. So we did that and put it in the budget. But that took some of the budget that we had. Mm-hmm. And they said, can we have some more sick pay? Yep. And they said, can we have matched charity funding? Yep. And they said, can we have a back rub once a month from a physio or whatever and an allowance for that? Yep. And can we have this and this and this and this? And we dropped all this stuff in and they decided. At our quarterly meetings, we say, right, what other stuff can we do now? Much written about by me and much talked about by me is a cinema club that I have with Stuart Rickey, my friend who's a photographer, which has been running now for eight years. And so once a month, Stuart and I go to the cinema on a Monday night. And in fact, it's coming up this Monday. And if it's your choice of cinema, you pick the movie and pay for it and the other guy doesn't know. And you turn up, and you don't know until either you see the classification screen, Stuart never looks at the classification screen. <laughs> uh, and there are certain rules for Cinema Club. The first rule of Cinema Club is we don't talk about Cinema Club. The second rule is we still don't talk about Cinema Club. <laughs> and the third rule is we never share minstrels ever. Right? <laughs> there is uh, there is an unlimited waiting list to be on Cinema Club. There is only two members. And um, and and we'll never be two members. Somebody asked last night to join Cinema Club, and I said very politely that we'll Go consider away. it, yeah. uh, which means no. no. In the practice, because we've got a really cool team, we've got a really we've got a Slack discussion group set up for the team, for the clinicians, for the nurses, for reception. It's all through the practice. It's, they're wicked, right? 
So Sharon, who's one of my reception guys, um, bought the Bohemian Rhapsody DVD and it's been going around the practice and it just keeps appearing. People go, oh, and they pass it over and they share it. And so we, I've got it at the moment. Now I've seen it. I'm going to take it home for my family to watch. But I thought last night, why are we not? Why do we not have a cinema club in the practice? So what we're going to do, I've just talked about it downstairs. So Mark Melbourne, who works in the practice, is a film guru. He's well into movies. And so every month we're going to buy a DVD that Mark's going to choose. And, oh, you get, and on okay. Slack, you get to say, can I have it this day, that day, that day, that day. And we're not going to formally have a meeting about it. We're just going to be able to talk to each other as we're in the staff room or as we're working together going, have you watched Bohemian Rhapsody? Wasn't it great? And that is a tiny little thing that just makes it a little bit better. That's nice. It just shines a little bit of light because we're all carrying around troubles all the time. And it makes work a, just a tiny little bit better to work at. But Sean says he's got an even better yeah, so, cinema club idea. So I used to, um, my wife and I, used to run a number of events in, in Lincoln. They used to run something called Nerd Night. Nice. Which was um, people giving 20-minute talks on something really niche. We yeah. had loads of steampunks coming in. We had, so a little bit stuff. Teddy. Yeah, yeah, a bit, kind of Teddy, but but for um, – we had people talking about imaginary numbers and people talking about what they do. Imaginary numbers freak me out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, can, can, I, can I interrupt? And I'm, no, yeah. I'm, if I'm into this now, right? Years ago, I saw a guy, a business coach lecture. I went to see um, Edward de Bono, mm-hmm. Lateral Thinking, mm-hmm. and um, he wrote the book, weirdo. And, um, but before him was a guy called Nigel, Nigel May Barlow, probably the first business coach I ever saw speak. And it was in London, it was something called the London Business Forum. And he, Nigel Barlow was brilliant. And he was truly inspirational as a business coach. And one of the things he said, I used his introduction for years when I was lecturing, stole it. But um, one of the things he said is whenever I travel, I travel a lot, mm-hmm. I go to the, the newsagent stand and I buy a magazine about a subject I've never, oh, I've never yeah, seen yeah, before. And I've seen that trajectory in people's lives. I've seen it pass by, not just because he's here, but Sean's podcast, Last Tuesday Project, is exactly that. (laughs) It's exact. And Last Tuesday Project podcast, if you like podcasts, listen to the Last Tuesday Project because it's just subjects that you might never have thought about before. Yeah, we've we've, um, done ones on the history of the Icelandic language. Thanks, that's Alex. Uh, but, but the Salem Witch Trials. Salem Witch Trials, that was our first one, yeah, yeah. Amazing, right? Um, we do a, a yearly mental health one, um, which is good. Um, we do lots on mute, we've done some on education. Done some so, on- so Nerd Night and Imaginary Numbers, or imagine a life where you just, that's the whole mindfulness curiosity thing. Imagine you had an open mind and you embraced different things. It's just, and so Mark will choose the films here, right? yeah. And some of them will be weird. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Because they don't all have to be Endgame, which is brilliant. Um, oh, I'm watching that this weekend. Oh, it's brilliant. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> it's utterly brilliant. This weekend. Sorry. You, yeah, so, yeah, sorry. so you're, you're, so, you're filming. Yeah, so, so one of the events we wanted to put on, or I wanted to put on, but never got around to doing it, was, was my version of this cinema clubs type thing. And I have this idea that people have two types of favourite movie. Right, okay. They have the favourite movie that you tell people is your favourite movie. Yeah. So for me, it's either um, Shawshank Redemption. Ah, rubbish. That's everybody's favourite movie. Or um, a French film called uh, Very Long Engagement. Which ah, right, is, okay. which, which is, is um, X-rated. Which, no, it's it's in French. It's about the war and it's just... There must be like loads of sex in that though. No, because no, 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 it's all set in the trenches. Um, oh, you're well... <laughs> so you've got, you've got even more, Even more perverse. But... but <laughs> But there's also the movie that you will sit down and watch on a Sunday afternoon. Right. Flash Gordon. Right, okay. 
So the idea was get a group of people, hire a cinema out. Yeah. Um, and everyone took it in turns to play those movies back to back. So yeah. the serious movie followed by the lighthearted movie. Brilliant. And have whoever's movies it was come up and do a few minutes about before movie. each movie yeah. about the movie, why it's their movie. Yeah, that's a brilliant idea. That's so, brilliant. So that maybe in, in Norwich we'll do that. You can't go to the cinema on your own. You can, but I've done that quite a lot when mm. I've been travelling with work. And A, you look a bit weird. Yes. And you, you like it or not. <laughs> I went. I remember going to the cinema on an after... I went to do a medical legal case, see previous podcast, in uh, Edinburgh. And sometimes medical legal work was fantastic because you would turn up in Edinburgh, booked out for three days for a trial, yeah. and you'd walk in and they'd do that. Uh, legal arguments. We're not going to start today. And you go, <laughs> oh. but I'm still getting paid, yeah? And they're going, oh, yeah. yeah. Going, okay. And go to the cinema. And you go to the cinema in the middle of the day in Edinburgh and people would be going, uh-huh, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. We know what you're watching. Right? <laughs> <laughs> not even that when you're in the cinema, people like that, hello. And um, But the joy of Cinema Club and the joy of the cinema is sharing what you've seen. So so yes. so after we went to Endgame on Monday night with Stuart and our boys, then Stuart Stuart dropped his son off and came back and we walked a dog for forty minutes. And you talk about and that's the the joy about Cinema Club is leading up to Cinema Club. If it's your thing researching what you're going to see and doing all that kind of stuff, yes, obviously the movie, but then the after part of it as well. And and so that shared experience that you're talking about. And incidentally, if you if you live in Nottingham, the Broadway Cinema has a room in yeah. it called the Salon. Yeah. Have you been in it? Yeah, I have. Which it's is amazing. leather settees. Yeah, 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 it's lovely. And and we've seen Stuart booked that for one of our cinema clubs, and I can I can tell you it's the best cinema I've ever been in. Watched the worst movie I've ever seen in my life in it. Right, <laughs> it was horrible the movie. And um, but you got to you got to slay a few dragons, right? And and so your idea is that's outstanding. So uh, talking about that experience, I remember I went to see um, went to see Hateful Eight at the cinema. Yes, brilliant. And, I, and well, so walked out of the cinema, I thought, what the fuck was that? Absolute dog shite. Absolutely, because I loved then, I loved Django Unchained. And I then some, love love Django Unchained. And then somebody explained it to you. And, and then, then I went it. no. Then I went back and, and I watched it as on Netflix, thinking, "Well, I'll give it another go." And it's what an amazing movie! Mm. What an amazing movie! Yeah, I love it. But how the experience? I don't know what it was about seeing that in the cinema. There are some bits in that movie that are, that are, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah? Thinking, okay, but then you sort of have a chance to reframe it and, uh-huh. and look at it again and yeah. see some of the some of the cinematography. Uh-huh. That's amazing. It's just oh, brilliant. Um, I don't know quite know how this is. So, so, it's, so it's a little. That's a little ten minute introduction to the to ethics of the team in our in our profession and in our in our workplace. We have quite a specific dynamic with team members that is really not reproduced in many other areas of work. So, in particular, I'm talking about. Surgeon and, and and dental surgeon in surgery with dental nurse because because they are dental nurses now aren't they you know the, the, the name changes As it changes I think I think it's, it's a dental nurse. nurse I think dental nurse is the is the most respectful term that you can call your your dental nurse <laughs> uh, it was dental surgery assistant for a while do you remember that yeah, DSA yeah um, and there's one of the things that the long term strategic goal of the of the GDC in registering dental care professionals mm-hmm. was, was to increase the status of dental nurses, which I is laudable. I know that that's been used as a little bit of a stick to beat us with. Yep. Let's not go there because yep. we're not doing GDC stuff. Not this time. And so the guys who have embraced the concept of the expansion of the role of the DCP mm-hmm. have won. And, and, and we have done that, I would hope, as much as anybody else. And so you now have situations where dental nurses are in a position where they are um, f- doing photography in our practice. They're doing intraoral scanning. 
in our practice. They're doing radiography. All of them do that in our practice. They're doing CBCT collection in our practice. They're doing suture removals in our practice. They're doing cannulation removals and sedation in our practice. They're doing all sorts of amazing stuff in their normal roles as a dental nurse, which expands their role and gives them dignity and a career pathway and a progression. And, and I think that's very ethical. And that mirrors what's happened in medicine. So my wife is a nurse. Mm -hmm. So the stuff that my wife does in her day-to-day -day role as a children's cancer nurse is much greater than SHOs were doing 10 years ago, 15 years ago. The issue is that the, is that the expertise doesn't catch up with the salary, or the salary doesn't catch up with the expertise. And that's something that we have to look at. But as we develop our businesses going on, and as we take more of associates who are mediocre, right, and push that into the DCP mm -hmm, area, mm -hmm. so their wages can go up, and so obviously the mediocre yes, associate yeah, wage course. goes down, yeah, yeah. right? And, uh, yes. And so the yeah. so the ethics of looking after your team is a fascinating topic. So, so it is interesting because the traditional dental practice has this, and I, and I mean real traditional dental practice, has a very pyramidal structure. Yeah. You know, it's vertical. Den yeah, yeah, dentists at the top, uh -huh. support staff very much at the bottom. Mm -hmm. And that leads to a number of problems, especially when there are problems with for example, the clinical skills of the person at the top. And if you, anyone that's listened yeah. to this has probably read Black Box Thinking um, and the issues that, that are bound with that. So one of the things that, that I'm interested in is trying to flatten that structure, not necessarily completely flat. There's a software company in America called Valve Software, mm -hmm. one of the biggest software companies uh, in the world. They run Steam. So if, you, if you've got a PC and you have games on your PC or your kids have games on your PC, they'll probably get it through the Steam store. They should probably be working on Half-Life 3, but don't get me started on that conversation because... Valve have a, a fascinating company structure. They have desks which have casters on them. Mm -hmm. And if you're on a team, you can talk to your, your mate over the other side of the room and say, right, we want to work on this. Okay. And what you do is you unbolt your desk, shove it along to your other guy, and then you start working on whatever the hell you want to work yeah. on. And they can do that. And it's got real good advantages for collaboration mm -hmm. because anyone can do whatever they want to do. The problems with that is they never do anything mm -hmm. because they haven't released a, a new game in years. Mm -hmm. And that's, as a software company, that's what they, they build well, their, their problem, problem on. Yeah. And they don't need to because they're making oodles and oodles of cash off steam. The ethics and the prethics yeah. of building and looking after a team is a fundamental part of having an ethical dental practice. Mm. So it's not a bolt-on or an add-on. It's not an afterthought after you've done your fillings. It becomes before any of that. And so having a business which is robust enough to be able to do that is the responsibility of the business owner, principal, whatever you want to call them. Um, and unfortunately for corner shop businesses in dentistry is that that's going to mean taking some of the money for which you are overpaid, because you are, and recycling that back down, yeah. knowing that in the long term, that will come back it's and that, then some. It's the it's the standard short-term pain for long-term gains, so, or isn't it? So 50% associates, we've done. You can't have them because that means you're stealing money off the team, mm -hmm. right? And principals who take the money out the till at the end of the day and stick it in their pocket, <laughs> you can't have them because they're stealing money off the team. So you have to write your budget from the bottom up and then develop your team. Because having a team that is brilliant, who've got your back in, in a world which is chaotic, is essential. 
Halfway through recording podcasts here, I went downstairs to reception. I said to Shauna, one of my guys on reception, oh, do you know what? There's this lady who's been seen this week. She needs all her mouth replaced with implants. It's a massive big deal. She wants to be seen really quick. She's got a big cementoma on the lower left-hand side. She's got this thing going on, that thing going on. Somebody emailed me about it on Tuesday. It's been mental because of the opening night. And she went, ah, ah, ah. And she went, she's in on the 20th. I've <laughs> spoken to her twice. That's what we need. Yeah. We need people who are empowered, who go, you can't leave this thing lying, Colin, because you're busy over here. Mm. I've got your back. You don't get that through a vertical structure. And as, and as you your, only get it through a horizontal structure. And as your business gets bigger, as you've got a relatively large dental practice. Business, In terms of dental yeah, practices. Dental practices yeah. you, you find that your ability and your need to micromanage is, is much reduced. But because of the nature of us as dentists, the kind of person that goes into dentistry and the kind of person that that is a good clinical dentist often is not a good person to to lead or not. not a good person to to run a business. And there's good research out there that shows actually these skill sets don't match. Don't they're not they're no. not a good match. And you know how it works here. I don't run the business here. No, no. I can't. I, it, Haley runs a business mm. here. Haley is much better at looking after. She's a finisher. She finishes tasks. I don't finish tasks. I just start someone else. I do another podcast. But the ego associated with the "I'm a dentist, therefore yeah. I should be able to run a business" yeah. is not. And the and the crazy counterintuitive thing about this is that the two things is that a the dentist in the small business thinks they can't do this because they're too small. It's so much easier to do in a small business, and it's much a bigger more, business. much more control. Over so that much business. easier, right? And the second thing is to go. Well, it's all right for you with your, with your, yeah. with your high level staff. So, 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 just as a, a quick thing here, Haley Brown is my general manager. Would be soon to be managing director, right? She runs everything. She's responsible for everything to do with the clinical side of the Campbell Clinic, trainee dental nurse, right? First day with me, doing oral surgery and an NHS practice. Tom Reason runs the academy. Um, uh, equity shareholder in the academy will be the MD of the academy soon. He's a history graduate. Didn't do dentistry. Marketing manager Marie, trainee dental nurse, first, first day with me. Charlotte Harrison, finance manager, will soon be seen my qualified accountant through the practice. Uh, trainee dental nurse, uh, most junior member of staff in the practice when I got to the practice. They're all in your team already, these guys. There's no such thing as extraordinary people. There's only ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And so what you need to do is give any ordinary people the chance of extraordinary things and they get to choose to do that or not. And if they don't want to do that, it's okay to go somewhere else and not do it. Yeah. And then they just stay here. But it's it's the it's the fact that what dentists complain about all the time now is I'm too busy doing this, I'm too busy writing notes, I'm too busy doing this, I'm too busy doing this. Of course you are. Empower your team, mm. right? Empower your team of clinicians, empower your team of support staff, empower them and watch what happens, right? And just watch what happens and then restructure the way the money flows around the practice so that you can reward people by buying a DVD once a month, <laughs> right? All the all the bit high-level Harvard Business Review studies in, in HR show that wages, once they're right, are about the fifth thing on the list, right? It's not about wages once you've got them right. But you have to realise that you can't pay dental nurses £11,000 a year now <laughs> and expect to get somebody that's absolutely motivated. Why, why, would you, why would you go into dental nursing earning the same ways you can work at Tesco's correct, and you when get you've shares got, in Tesco's. When you've got this, I mean, dental nursing is a hard job. Uh -huh. I would not want to be a dental nurse for all the money in in the world. It's because in the standard United Kingdom business model for dental practice, 
the principle is stealing. That's why. And because as dentistry has been driven downwards, the principles have retained their level of income and reduced the level of everybody else's, right? And so you have to disrupt the model. You have to think differently about the model and say, that model that we've had since Bevan, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't work anymore. There is nothing better, nothing better than 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 building a team. Nothing better than that. Not not in your work. It's absolutely outstanding. And and from an ethical point of view, if you want to build a practice that looks after people, then you have to empower your guys to look after people. And and you're absolutely right about pyramidal vertical structures. They don't work. I, I'm going to do two. One thing about OKRs, right? Okay. In terms of the ethical looking after, this is the thing we're on at the moment. So OKRs, uh, heads up to um, Alex Jones about the introduction to OKRs. Thanks. Um, he can have all the credit. There's a book called um, Measure What Matters by John Doerr, which Alex, who was on our business course last year, is a very good friend of mine, read and said, you have to read this book. And, and I, I'm lucky because I get people that say you have to read this book all the time and most I go, oh, but it keeps sending the recommendations. But I thought from Alex, I'll, I'll, I'll do this. OKRs are, are objectives and key results. I need to do this really quickly. And this is something that's flowing through the business now for us and just, just been implemented. It's what Google is based on. I, I don't usually like to base my stuff on things like that, but the story around how it was introduced to Google just after they moved out of the two rooms upstairs from the ice cream parlor yeah. is quite staggering. And basically what happens in OKRs is it changes your business into a, into a, into a non-transparent vertical business into a transparent horizontal business. So you set your high-level objectives. So we would like to do... Whatever it is we say we'd like to do. It takes a long lot of thought to do that. You can do it personally as well. That's what I'd like to achieve. That's your objective. And in order to achieve that objective, you write some key results. Dot, 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 dot. Say five. Three or five. And the key results have to be as measured by. Okay? Mm -hmm. So say you did a turnover target. I don't like turnover targets, but it's easy to explain it that way. Yeah. We'd like to make a million pounds a year. Mm -hmm. Right? The key results for that might be place 200 implants, do 50 Invisalign cases, yeah. as measured by 50 Invisalign cases, do, 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 right? We would like to have a, we would like to, to our team to be performing at this level or we'd like occupancy in our surgery to this level or we'd like this, key results. So the, the, the company key results go here and they're basically the boss's key results mm. and they're published so everybody sees them. And then you, so the objectives and key results. So the people who are in theory a report to that guy they grab his key results and turn them into objectives and write the key results for those. And it cascades down through yeah. the business into jigsaw pieces. And everybody reports their update on those and they run for three months and they update them every six weeks. And if the boss isn't making his and isn't updating his, why would you do yours? Exactly. Right? Exactly. And But you can look and go, God, he's doing that one. I could push my desk over there and mm. help him get yeah. that one done. Yeah. Right? It's quite a staggering transition in thought as to where you're going. And where we're moving to in the new practice and stuff, we're going to be completely OKR-based. That's brilliant for me because my senior leadership team guys, we're going to sit down and they're going to say, Colin, these are your three things. We've You can't not do your job. Mm. These are the three things in this three months that you've got to do which are the most important things to you. And you know I'm going to smash that. I'm going to say, I'm going to nail that. And everybody's going to see I'm going to nail it. But it's such, the, it's such an antithesis to, to what we are expected to do in your regular general yeah, practice isn't it it is but um, this conversation that you and i had mm. about our friend yeah who was in a job that they were not happy with yeah, yeah, yeah. you can okr them out of that job i mean you can, yes, you, yeah, can, yeah. you can you can okr a solution to that within yeah. the place they're in mm. or you can okr them out of it yeah you can say okay this is so these are your two decisions which is the path that you want to go down and so if i've decided i'm going to go so you pick one right so i'm going to go i'm going to leave that job your mm. friend 
you could say, right, in order to find myself in a better position a year from now, this is the objective. This is what I need to do. And I can break them down and you can do it. I want to run a marathon, you can okay at it. I want to do this, you can okay at it, right? But in teams, it works extraordinarily well because there's transparency, visibility, and accountability. Uh-huh. This is what we need to do. Um, I think ethically, we have to start to transform our businesses into businesses that allow us to do things ethically. And if we take it all on our own shoulders and fix every single patient problem and fix everything like that and don't empower our team and don't make more, we'll just burn and we'll die. And so proper selfishness and looking after ourselves in ethical uh, team development has got to be one of the focuses of what we're doing. You know, and and and, 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 and independent practice particularly, that's the privilege we get because we get to decide the route we take. I think... The independent practices are going to be the, the future of, of good dentistry yeah, in the country. They are. They are. I think you can see that because you can't, when the corporate comes in, the Four Seasons hotels are dead good. Shangri-La hotels are dead good. They're dead good, right? And they're a corporate. And they're dead good, right? So it is possible. And definitely, definitely it is possible. But, but, ha- but the but, people who own the practices, I'd like to think that Bupa is a different company, but I don't see how it's making it work, even in the practices where... Um, that are supposed to be their high-end practices. I, I, I'm, I'm, the reports I get and the discussions I have with people who are in those practices who have sold to those practices are not favourable. Um, and the other guys are just, you know, what happens is you get, um, you know, one of, one, of the, one of the ones down from the behemoth corporates the next level down recently just went like that, bang, here's a new fee scale across the UK, right, to everybody. And, and that's okay to do that, but you, that's got to be communicated really well. Everybody's yeah. got to buy into that. Everybody's got to understand the story behind that. Everybody's got, so when the patient comes in and for, the, for their hygiene now and it's gone up by however much, and they go, why have you done that? And they go, oh, company did it, head office did it. Yeah, yeah. So one of, one of the, literally a, a few weeks ago, we were sat on my master's course talking about change, how to get people to accept change. Uh-huh. And the long and the short of it is that if you don't get people to buy in, yeah. they're not going to accept they're it. They're not going to do it. One of the big arguments you get from dentists about corporates is that, well, they're not run by dentists, are they? Uh-huh. Thank fuck they're not, actually. Uh-huh. I know, they can be. Right, exactly. So there are you, some people in healthcare who make good chief execs. Yeah, yeah and there's always going to be the exception to the, to the rule. There are some. What's much better is a clinical management partnership. Yeah, because people, when you see someone who is trained in management manage, you understand why dentists can't manage. Yeah. And so the reading material here is is, um, is the E-Myth by Michael Gerber, which is the most famous business book ever produced. And it's the book that if you were ever to meet Chris Barrow for the first time, I'm guessing he would almost certainly say you've got to read this or listen to it. And it differentiates between the, the technician, uh, the manager and the entrepreneur. And it talks about entrepreneurial seizures, which everybody will understand. And basically what happens is that the is that the technician, the dentist, who is a good technician working as an associate, basically goes, well, I'm giving... Fifth was 50% now, 60% of all my income to that guy, and he's just getting rich. Why don't I just do the bloody thing myself? Bing! <laughs> and then they go into it themselves, and then they set up, buy their own place, start to run it, and then all of a sudden it's really, really busy, and they're working 60, 70 hours a week, and then they wake up one morning and they're not well. And the wife says, we well, can't go to work, and they go, ah, uh, I've to. got to. And, and so you have to transition through those roles, um, and you... You have to identify the parts of those roles that you're not good at, and then you have to fill in the gaps. But that's difficult because as a dentist, we're good at everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that. So I guess I don't know. It was a hangover from the from the night last night or from whatever. But with the uh, 
that was a touch on ethics and teams um, with a bit of cinema club rolled in. So uh, look out for Sean's new cinema club, um, <laughs> which will be in Leicester Square in London anytime soon. That was incisive, decisive. And that's it for this episode of Incisive Decisive. As usual, if you want to correct us, comment on anything we have to say, or just say hello, you can contact us in the usual ways. That is on Twitter at IncisivePod, via our Facebook page, or you can email us on info at IncisiveDecisive.com. If you like what we're doing, think about leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast provider of choice. It really helps spread the word as does sharing the links to our episodes. Our music is by the wonderful Gallops. Hear more at gallopsgallops.com. So, until the next time, that was Incisive Decisive. Next time on Incisive Decisive. We are going to talk about community water fluoridation. As we sit at the moment, if you had a wand, would you fluoridate yes or no? And no. In the United Kingdom, I'd be yes. So there is this issue of mass medication. Lack of fluoride doesn't cause carers. I'm going to do a jingle. Oh, so we're going to go in size of the size of Facebook radio. You know, that's now going to go into the. <laughs> <laughs>